One of the questions I often get is, Jason, is there reincarnation within Taoism? And it's a great question, actually. And a lot of people ask me this question because a lot of people are only familiar with such texts as the Tao Te Ching and the Zhuangzi. And reincarnation is not kind of within those texts, or it's at least not elaborated a lot upon in, that, in those texts. Even though we have within Taoism this idea of the, the immortal spirit and, and so forth and so on. But a lot of people are confused as to whether reincarnation exists within Taoism and if it is the same as within Hinduism and Buddhism. And what I will say is that, yes, reincarnation is within Taoism, but you have to familiarize yourself with an ancient text, ancient Taoist text, that you've probably never heard of. And that's what we will explore today within this episode of The Sacred Word, and I'll explore that through the later teachings of Lao Tzu. Now, these are the teachings that you've probably never heard of, and it's the Hua Hu Ching, or the Hua Hu Ching, depending on how you want to say it, the later teachings of Lao Tzu. And now this translation by Hua Ching Ni is the one I highly recommend. There are a lot of good translations out there, but this one specifically uh, captures the essence of Taoism, you could say. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful text. And the whole text is basically about when Lao Tzu gets to, this, to the Central Territory, and um, a lot of the locals in the Central Territory in this community know that he's a great sage and they stop him to, you know, to, to learn his wisdom. And the, the, the whole Hua Hu Ching is basically a dialogue between the prince of that, the Central Territory in that area and Lao Tzu himself. Now, this, in my opinion, you could, this is in some sense can be better than the Tao Te Ching because it goes a lot into a lot of Taoist ideas that aren't in some sense captured in the Tao Te Ching or may have come a little later. And so I, I really, really enjoyed this book. I love this text. I've read it many times. As you can see, all the goodies here. And it's an amazing text. But where's the evidence of reincarnation within this text? Now, in chapter 34 and 35, and even in a lot of other chapters, they go into a lot about reincarnation. But 34 and 35 specifically dive deep. And this will give you a really good insight of the Taoist view of reincarnation and if it is similar to Hinduism and Buddhism. So let me read to you chapter 34 and 35. Venerable teacher, when a star exists, its light exists. When the star disappears... Its light also disappears. The star's subtle energy, however, does not die away. It either remains in the subtle realm or transfers to those connected with it. Human life and all things in the universe begin in the subtle realm of the unmanifest and are then brought forth into the realm of the manifest where they assume physical form. A human being is certainly a gathering of small particles and when one is alive, the vitality is there. When one passes away, the vitality disperses, but not the subtle energy. The energy may remain in the subtle realm or be transferred to those 
who may connect with it according to the law of energy response. What I wish to know, Venerable Teacher, is how long the life force of a human being can last. Kind Prince, the potency of a human being can last very long indeed. In one lifetime, a person may be born into a family or race or society or nation that he once loved, while in another lifetime, he will be born into a family or race or society or nation toward which he was hostile. The person may be born with a shape that was once attractive to him or with one which disgusted him. Emotional attachment, such as love or hate, is heavy, gross energy, and it is this kind of energy that influences how one forms one's new life and environment in response to what one has projected mentally, emotionally, and physically. Venerable teacher, asks the prince, when a person passes away, does his cognition pass with him in his future lives? Kind prince, the basic function and ability of cognition continues its growth when a soul is reborn into the physical world. However, the content of cognition is generally not carried with the soul. This is especially true of those people who have spent many years in intellectual pursuits. Except for the deep experience of certain training that is strongly built and forged, knowledge is stripped away because the storage of such information is related to the brain cells rather than to basic patterns and deep instincts of life. Venerable teacher, can intuitional ability be passed on from one lifetime to the next? Kind prince, insight is not the content of knowledge. Because it is not of the realm of the intellect, it continues whenever and wherever the being exists. Venerable teacher, can it be said that insight is immortal then? Kind prince, it is the being which is immortal and some of the ability. If a being develops his insight but does not achieve immortality, the insight will follow the same cycle of life, death and rebirth that the person follows. If the person achieves immortality, however, he will be an immortal being with pure insight. This is, uh, like I said, an, an amazing text. And as you see there, there's a, a, a lengthy dialogue between Lao Tzu and the prince. And this is only one of, there's probably three of these dialogues about reincarnation in, in this book, but this is probably the most concise and the one that kind of gives the most information on the Taoist view of reincarnation. And it's, it's quite amazing because like when you look at the similarities here between Hinduism and Buddhism to Taoism, I mean, it's all there to see, right? So when you have, as Lao Tzu said, emotional attachments carry this heavy and gross energy, right? So love and hate are the most powerful energies emotionally for us, right? So when we love intensely, we love dearly. When, we, when people hate, you know, as we see, people can tend to hate a lot. So as Lao Tzu said, this heavy, gross energy of love or hate determines what environment your next life will be born into. So that energy will move to where it needs to go to. And this actually is very similar to when we look at this in relation to the Tibetan Book of the Dead. So when we look at the Tibetan Book of the Dead, there's like this three-pronged pr three process, right? These three levels where when you die, you go into this subtle realm. So this subtle realm, 
But if your energy is like, if you, if you have accumulated a lot of karma and you have a lot of this emotional energy that's attached to the life that you had, the people that you existed with, and also, you know, just the, the sense of self that you believe you are, then this, if, if your energy is not thinned out and you have a lot of that, then you will go to the second level but this is still a chance to go back to the, uh, the third level, the subtle realm, the non-dual realm. But if it's too strong, the energy is too strong in that realm, then the third realm is that, boom, you, you will be sucked back into the womb and you will live another life. So you have this, this f three, three levels, these three phases that we go through after death according to the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And it's all built on th this idea of the the samskaras right the samskaras that contain all of this subliminal content that, that we've accumulated through life which drives our habits and tendency as our vasanas which drives our our karma and a lot of that is built on our emotional reactions to the world right so we either have great experiences where you know where we love intensely and um, in some sense, it's blind love, right? So we we love without any foresight that we're going to die, and you know what I mean. We we are uh, terribly attached in some sense to uh, people and things. You, you got to remember, people are attached to also things. People are attached to cars and material possessions uh, that possess them, which is quite odd, probably for you and I, but that does exist, and. So you have that, but then you also have the, the, the hatred element where people will hate a, a nation intensely, a religion intensely, a, a race intensely, just people intensely, you know, or just anyone or anything, you know what I mean? The people have a, a, lot, a lot of like this subconscious hate that sometimes doesn't bubble to the surface only when there's a, a circumstance that facilitates that, that subconscious uh, subliminal imprint that you have within your samskaras. So... And then that comes out, right? And so that is going to be a, a gross, intense, heavy energy that is going to suck you back into a physical form. And so Lao Tzu explains that process. Now, we could debate how did, in a similar period of time, right? We're talking Lao Tzu and the Buddha, the same period of time here, we're talking around 2500 BCE. How did they both come to this conclusion? Or was this through actual experiential knowledge? You know, we can, we can only speculate, but if we look at the Tibetan Book of the Dead, or if we look at the Egyptian Book of the Dead and these sort of texts, then they, what, there was a practice of experiential knowledge that was acquired through going through the death experience, but then coming back out of the death experience so we can only speculate that maybe some of those practices were within Taoism over in China back 2500 BCE as well. Uh, or this is just in, like intrinsic intuitive knowledge that we have deep down within us and that it's a part of the collective unconscious, which this could be more so the case, right? So it's part of our collective unconscious and our deep intuitions that this is how the process unfolds. And this is why, especially when you meditate deeply, you come to a lot of these conclusions naturally that, especially when you understand that 
uh, consciousness has no birth, no birth or no death, that, you know, that this is how the process unfolds within a, a human organism, this localization of consciousness, which we are, and how the equipment functions, so to speak, you know, the body and the mind. So about clear, clearing that out, about clearing those samskaras out, and about uh, disassociating with a lot of the attachment that you have. Not disassociating in a very heartless manner, but an understanding that this life will end and that these relationships will dissolve. That's guaranteed, right? That's a guarantee that I can make you all. I don't want to make that to you all, but that's the guarantee it is. That's, that's how life is. So that is part of what Lao Tzu was saying. One part I found interesting in, in uh, chapter 35 was when Lao Tzu said to the prince, the basic function and ability of cognition continues its growth. When a soul is reborn into the physical world, however, the content of cognition is generally not carried with the soul. Now, that's, that's quite a, a poignant point there by Lao Tzu. So the content is not carried over. Meaning, and you've probably heard this in a lot of my videos when we talk about reincarnation, especially from the Buddhist and Hindu perspective, is that you don't carry these experiences over, the, the actual experiences, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people have this fantasy that they had an experience in this life and that uh, it's going to happen in the next life and they're going to remember that experience and so forth and so on. But the content of that person uh, is kind of uh, deleted on, on death when... All that carries over is like what Lao Tzu said, these cognitive abilities, cognitive functions will carry over. But it's like this, the samskaras, the subliminal imprints and mental impressions and the vasanas, the habits and tendencies, and ultimately the karma, which is our actions and unconscious actions. That that is what makes the so-called soul or the jivatman, if, if we call, if we use that that term from Hinduism, that that carries over into the next life, and so that's again a similarity with with what with what Lao Tzu is saying. That cognitive ability and function that that we've kind of encountered that it has uh, affected our cognition is what carries over not the actual experience someone punched you in the face today and then you're not going to carry that experience over into the next life but that event may have caused a subconscious uh, impression within your samskaras another great part of that chapter that expands on what i've been talking about about what Lao Tzu was talking about with the cognitive function that lives on after existence and not so, so much the events is this part of the chapter where it says Except for the deep experience of certain training that is strongly built and forged, knowledge is stripped away because the storage of such information is related to brain cells rather than to basic patterns and deep instincts of life. So this is really an enlightening part of the passage where Lao Tzu says, you know, all of that sort of uh, intellectual knowledge that we've acquired and so forth and so on and a lot of the events that we've had in our life is kind of stripped away at, at death, like all of this storage. And what uh, exists more so are these basic patterns that we've accumulated through our life. And obviously our deep instincts for life, our intuitive faculty for life doesn't disappear because that's part of nature. But 
these basic patterns reside, right? So, and, and that's related again to the samskaras. Those subliminal impressions, those patterns that we continually, you know, manifest in our life continue to live on it. And that's what actually defines our experiences. And that's why some people say that, you know, if they've had like past life transgression and all of these sorts of things, that they've had similar images from past lives. And it's not because that that life has anything remotely to do with your life or anything anything like that. Like it, no relation in some sense, even though you have experienced that life. But what's happening is it's the pattern, the basic pattern of your existence wound up in your wheel of samsara framework, the samskaras, the vasanas, and the karma, which is continually being manifested from you because you're not cleansing that out. You're not cleansing that that basic pattern, that storage out. It's remaining within there. And so that's part of the spiritual training, right? It's part of the spiritual practice is to clean the, clean the closet out, or clean the basement out so that you can experience life unfettered and as it truly is and only from there as Lao Tzu continues in this passage will you gain insight because you've stopped being the person and you've you're residing more as being rather than a person that's uh, wound up with all of these patterns that uh, continually uh, manifested life after life so we have to come back into that sense of beingness so miraculously, the basic tenets of reincarnation are basically the same within Hinduism, Buddhism, and Taoism. They are languaged differently, but as I said, the basic tenets and principles are the same. Now, whether or not, as I said, that's a kind of a collective unconscious thing, part of the collective consciousness, or it was attained from uh, death experiences. You know, I don't want to speculate, and I know a lot of people probably will speculate in the comments, but there is no hard evidence for that. I hope that this episode of The Sacred Word did give you a little insight into actually that, yes, reincarnation does exist within Taoism. It's not something isolated from it. A lot of people have fallen for the bad habit of projecting their Abrahamic ideas onto Taoism, like in this idea of thinking that there's just one life and then you know, we are either going to become an immortal spirit or we're just going to, you know, die away or <laughs> something like this. But, you know, we need to remember that uh, Eastern spirituality is a holistic philosophy that's built on that there is no idea of like judgment or right or wrong and so forth and so on. It's, it's all about life and about the lives that we live and the experiences that we have and the karma that we accumulate. So it's more of a checks and balances reality rather than a reality of, you know, you go to the courthouse and you get judged. It's, it's a completely different reality. So that's what this text also talks about, the Huahu Ching. And it's just one of the greatest texts that you could ever read on Taoism, in my opinion. And I'm going to do many more sacred words on this because there's a lot for us to learn from this text. And I think that this is a good extension from just reading the Tao Te Ching. A lot of people uh, just like reading the Tao Te Ching, and look, I can sympathize with that. I read the Tao Te Ching, God only knows how many, how many times. But this book, which I've read many times as well, 
is a great extension and uh, complements the Tao Te Ching and also expands your idea of the Taoist view of the world, which is very important for all of us to understand. And so, as Lao Tzu said, and as I will reiterate, is that you as a person is not going to live the next life. And all of these bundle of mental and subconscious patterns that you've become are what lives the next life. It's only when we come back to our intrinsic beingness beyond the person and we begin to eliminate these samskaras and these patterns from our existence, only then will we escape the wheel of samsara. But we need to escape that process of life, death and rebirth. And we can only do that when we start to eliminate those samskaras deep within our subconscious and begin to transform our vasanas, which then begins to eliminate our karma, our action and our, our, our unconscious actions. We begin to reverse that cycle where we come back to stillness and gain insight to see the world as it truly is as we thin out our persona. And then and only then will we escape that wheel of samsara and then we will not come back into the physical existence according to Taoist and also Hindu and Buddhist philosophy. Shanti, shanti, shanti.